With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight, all right, fellas. <laughs> he was gonna be on one tonight. So, 
Yeah, you had to put you in a corner. You got the mute button ready. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we we know what you're going to be. I'm going to go ahead and introduce P.A. <laughs> On my left, I got my man, 100. Uh, fellas, um, when they put together my resume for Hall of Fame fantasy fantasy manager, they will put together week nine of the 2013 season with Peyton Manning <laughs> on a bye, with Kelvin Johnson on a bye, with Wes Welker on a bye, um, and the Gurus in Hamilton's League, the Guru from Kazoo. I started Nick Foles of 77 points. And also, I picked up Bradley Cooper 10 minutes before the kickoff, good for 45 points. Wait, ain't Bradley Cooper a movie star? He is. He is. Riley Cooper. That's who I meant. Thank oh, okay. Okay. All right. That messed me up for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. Bradley Cooper? I ain't never heard of him. He played for the Eagles? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it was a good, it was a good week for you, manufacturing points. I had Nick Foles in the league as well. Um, you know, is it, is it over for Michael Vick? Can we ask that question? Is it too soon? And, no, I I think that question is right on time, and I think it might be. Assuming Foles can stay healthy, how can you sit a guy? But I think the minute he struggles, if he has a bad game or two. They'll open the door back up. I think at this point, Philly needs to figure out what they have in Foles. Because if they like what they have, they may not have to go to the draft next year. Well, I mean, this is, I mean, I think they have uh, a good sample size. I mean, the dude is throwing 13 touchdowns and zero interceptions. I mean, right. I, think that's the, I think that's the number one thing when you look at young quarterbacks is what, what's the turnover ratio? How, how often are you giving back the ball to the other team? And if you're not doing that, and I think that's a definite sign that either defenses haven't caught up to you yet or you're ready for the position. So, you know, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm in that same boat. I think I, I had Vic, and I released him. Um, wow. So anybody in the Roysters and Friends League, Vic is available. Um, he was on the trade wire of a trading block for a while. I got no bites. Um, so I had to let him go. You know, it's time to cut ties. You know, it's totally time to cut ties. So, We'll get into a portion of the show we like to call the intro to let them know. We're going to give you a quick rundown of everything we have in store for you all tonight. Uh, we've got a slamming show lined up for you. The first thing we're going to do is recap week nine of NFL action. We're going to give you our new intel, talk about the impressive performance from week nine, give you a new six in, cha- six in the chamber, Plus, we're going to update last week's or the standings in the Six in the Chamber Challenge, the RSG Challenge, where each of us pick six games, four NFL, two college, see how well we do. I'm not so happy with my picks the last couple of weeks, and it's got me in a bad spot. Um, but we'll get into that when it comes time. Then we're going to hit you with a five on the black hand side where we get into the NBA opening week. Um, we're going to hit you up with some observations for the first week, top four in each conference, some early MVP talk. So we've got a whole lot lined up for you. Also tonight we have a special guest coming in. 
We have Luke Hoover coming in. He's going to do an interview, hit you off with some fantasy football information, some tips as you head into the stretch run. And, you know, in a couple of leagues I'm looking at, I'm looking down a barrel of three and six right now. So, you know, seven and six is, is the floor for getting in the playoffs usually. Right. You know, you right. got to so – I got to win out. In a couple of leagues, I've got to win out. i got no margin for error. i got to keep it going. You know, a couple of the leagues, my teams are turning around real fast. You know, I almost dropped 200 points this week in, in a league uh, all three of us are in together. Um, Shout-out to my man Ray, his league. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm getting my rhythm in that league. I'm getting my rhythm. i got a nice squad, figuring out my guys. We're, we're rolling. We're rolling in that one. You know, got a big I had to recalculate the points to make sure nothing shady was going on. He almost had 200 <laughs> points. It's like, wow. And this is a hard league to score points in. This is a hard is. league to score points in. Um, basically, if you don't get a touchdown, you ain't getting no points. You know, so I had some guys I had some guys go off. You know, I, I, I hate it because, you know, a wide receiver, you know, has a seven catch. It's not a PPR league, so you'll get no points for reception. So you got an 80-yard day. That's a pretty good day in most leagues. You get six receptions with 80 yards. That's a nice day. In this league, they get you eight points if you don't score enough touchdowns. <laughs> that's not very helpful. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's all fair. Everybody's playing by the same rules. <laughs> so that's what we have in store for you today. Uh, so, fellas, you know, we're we just going to jump right into it. NFL, week nine. Let's just let's just dive right in. What, why, what are we waiting for? The first thing I want to talk about, though, um, in the new Intel segment is my new Intel for the week is that there's bullying in the NFL. Mm. Now, D. Wills and I started to kind of get it, dig into this particular topic off air. Um, there's so many layers to this particular dynamic. The situation we're talking about is the harassment situation in the Miami Dolphins between Richie being incognito and Jonathan Martin, both offensive linemen. Um, Jonathan Martin, Rich incognito is a veteran. Martin's in his second year, former second-round pick out of Stanford. Incognito is a vet out of Nebraska. Um, and what you have is a situation where, you know, I think you have a situation where hazing goes a little bit too far. You know, incognito has a reputation as a pretty – a uh, nasty dude on the field. Um, I guess that also carries over into his locker room persona. Um, this whole situation is just interesting because you have two 300-plus-pound adult males, um, and, you know, one's bullying and one's being bullied. And for most regular guys, most gym pop dudes, that's really hard to understand. So, D. D Wills, I want you to shed some light on the situation, and I'll give my perspective. I want PhD to jump in. But, D. Wills, what's your, how, how are you kind of wrapping your mind around this whole Dolphin situation? Well, it was hard to even think about, but I heard Dan Levitard talking about this. He said, you know, this young man basically had to take, had to choose out of three, all, out, of, out, of, out of all bad scenarios. So, one scenario, people say you should fight. So he's going to be a rookie fighting somebody who's on the leadership team, and he's an offensive lineman. And so now he's the rookie that is can't be tamed, and he's going to fight this 
person who's on the leadership council. So you got you got that scenario. The other scenario, he got he goes to the coach. Y'all know how locker rooms work. You don't go to the coach. There's no crying. They say no crying in baseball. There's surely no crying in football. So you can't really go to the coach and say, this other cat is picking up, picking on me. His other thing is, okay, he's going to walk away. He's going to take time away. So he basically had to choose. Now, most people would have just chosen a route that I'm just going to be the rookie <laughs> that fought with the guy on the leadership council. Uh, and it just has so many layers to it. I mean, I think even the language that cats are just being comfortable talking. I mean, you just heard Phil talk about he picked up Cooper. And, you know, you know how Cooper's season started out. This whole this underbelly, you know, locker room, you know, we've all been around locker rooms. Locker rooms are things are said in locker rooms, I just said. But even that part of it, you know, we we all played on teams that were pretty diverse. And, and everybody kind of knew certain stuff you couldn't say. And the sense that, you know, you know, leaders would allow, you know, we always have a crazy guy in the locker room, but let a cat go that far without somebody saying something is, is the kind of stuff that, you know, that, that you wonder what's going on, particularly when the Dolphins off the line is struggling. Uh, this is a leadership issue. And Hazen is part of the game. Everybody knows it. But we all know folks who have taken it too far. And we all know that there are people in the locker room who say, hold it, you're going too far. And so there's a sense here that, you know, what happened has a lot to do with the leadership. It's not just his issue. It's about the leaders in that locker room figuring out what they want their team to be about. And, yes, there is a right right of passage to being in the NFL, but there's also not a right of craziness. And we all, you know, know, if you feel left around football, okay, what level? You always got that crazy dude. But we always have cats in the locker room who let that crazy dude know when he's gone too far. It sounds like they didn't have that going on in this locker room. Yeah, and that and that to me that's what's most telling about the situation. The whole bullying piece, um, you know, when you use that term you think of schoolyard kids. And so it's really hard to use that term and refer to two grown men. Um, um, who I would imagine if anybody saw them on the street would, would say, Okay, I'm gonna get out this dude's way for a minute. You know, I'm gonna let this guy pass. You know, so <laughs> Your immediate thought is, why didn't you just break him off? Even if you lose, you you let him know that you come at me like that every time. You better be ready to fight, you know. But as you said, it was a lose lose situation. All his all all of his alternatives were lose lose situations. Um, but that's where I kind of come out on it is, what what kind of environment do you have, and where's the old line coach? Where's the other leaders on the team? Where's the locker room leadership at? Because you're right. You always have that one dude who crosses the line. But the reason he doesn't cross the line all the time is because there's somebody there to check him. There's somebody there to say, "Look, yeah, whoa, 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 come on now. Now you're going too far. Now you're not going to be able to say that in front of me, and I'm not going to let you say that to him because this is still our teammate. You know what I mean? So that's really what, what bugged me out about the situation as I started to really reflect on it and kind of get beyond the face value. Why didn't he punch him in the face kind of response that, you know, we all grew up, you know, y- y- your mom and dad all taught. I'm, I'm sure all our folks taught us, you know, at some point you got to stand up and you got to knuckle up. You know, it's one thing to turn the other cheek, but you only got two. <laughs> you only got two cheeks. So, you know, you, you can turn twice, but that third time, 
you got you got to turn the other cat's cheek, which fits. And so once you get past that kind of and really that that piece of it, and really start to think about the whole situation, the whole dynamic at play, and how did this get to this point? You know, now because the teammates and because there's no leadership, now they're out of two offensive, they're out two offensive linemen on a shaky offensive line to begin with. So That's now, right. I mean, if I if I'm on the outside looking in, which I am, obviously, I'm not a member of the Miami Dolphins organization or under contract in any kind of way, shape, or form with the Dolphins. Looking on the outside looking in, you got to look at Joe Philbin, and you got to say, now what kind of ship are you running? You got to look at the old line coach and say, how did you? Again, who who's who put uh, incognito on the leadership council? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Who, how did he get in the circle? You know who let that? Who left the gate open? You know that because he has a reputation. So that's the other thing. And so who left the gate open? How did he become the elder state, statesman? Because there's also guys like there's all, every team has that crazy guy, but also every coach knows that crazy guy can't be your leader. You know what I'm saying? That's the other thing is you know that that dude can't be your leader, and so you you as a coach really try and position other people as leaders. And so where was the O-line coach in that? Where was the quarterback? Tannehill. These are your guys. You know, that quarterback offensive line on relationship is a, a, a pretty a pretty uh, intense relationship, close relationship. You know, those are your guys, just their guy. How are you letting this go on? You know, any other leader, I mean, I guess they don't have any other leadership. I mean, you're starting running backs in his second year. Receiver Mike Wallace just got on the team. Um, you know, the other guys, Hartline, I mean, the receiver, I mean, they don't, they really, and that's really what it points out is there's, there's a void within the leadership on that offense. And Incognito was probably the leader of that offense. When you really come to think about it, who was, gonna, who was taking the reins, and you start naming names of the guys who are starters, and, you know, Jake Long left. So there's really a void. And, again, as a coach, when you know that there's a void, to be very purposeful about making sure the right person steps into that void. And obviously the the powers within the infrastructure of this team weren't on their job. Now, PhD, I want to pull you into the conversation. D. Will kind of touched on it a little bit. Share any thoughts you had on the whole race piece and the whole race piece in the context of a locker room. See, that's the piece that makes this story very unique. And even even the hardcore of us who played, you know, college football, high school football, remember the light hazing or the light, you know, guys clowning you or getting on you, that's kind of part of it. But when you start bringing into the race thing, it shifts the whole dynamic there. And Devon brought up a really good point of, Typically, there's somebody in the locker room that says, wait a minute, you're taking it too far. Well, guess what? Richie wouldn't say that in the in the locker room where essentially, you know, you have African-Americans, you know, whites, uh, you know, you have big groups of both, um, and you just stay away from that. You just stay away from that. So when he went on the voicemail with that, I think that brings a certain layer to it where it's like, whoa, wait a minute, because that that kind of talk's not going to happen in the position meetings. That kind of stuff is not going to happen 
when all the old linemen, all seven or eight of them, nine of them, ten of them from camp go out to dinner. That kind of stuff's not going to happen. But when he found a way to kind of gear this to a one-on-one situation and he brings that into it, you know, that made Miami, uh, the Miami Dolphins have to do something. That brought out a lot of strong reactions. And, and I think that is the thing that brought up, brought out the strong reactions. You know, Devon brought up, you know, where are the coaches when this stuff has happened? Well, you know, when you think about what happened in the lunchroom, I, I guess was the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, the, my man allegedly sits down, everybody gets up and leaves. Well, the coaches are in their meetings typically when that happens, you know. So I think that the race thing is probably what, that's probably the biggest issue in that locker room right now because a lot of guys can, you know, were probably around with the public clowning and, you know, a lot of guys can relate to what happened in their rookie years or when they were a first or second year player. But when you bring that dynamic in it, there's, I mean, on a team, a lot of guys pride themselves on, you know, there's no white, there's no black, there's no other races. It's about winning. And when you bring that into it, I think that's when the tolerance for it just just leaves. Yeah, because it definitely uh, drives the wage into into everything you're trying to build as far as building a unit. Now, I want to challenge you on the coaching piece a little bit because I can't give the coaches that kind of a pass because these are NFL coaches, and we know that these dudes know uh, the reputation. I'll say the reputation of the NFL coaches is that they supposedly know any and everything about their guys as far as what goes on at the facility you know, that that seems to be the reputation and expectation for NFL coaches. So I'm less likely to get the coaches to pass on this. What I will say is the coaches had to know who was the leadership. I think you have to have your pulse on who are your leaders and whether they were privy to the actual what was going on. Again, there are certain guys you know can't be your leader. And Incognito has – you know, when when his name came up as the dude who was doing the bullying, I was like, oh, him again? You know, and I think that was the reaction of a lot of people because that's really the only reason I know this dude's name is because he kind of has stepped over the line in the past and done some kind of out-of-pocket things. Now, nothing to this level, but he does have a reputation of, as uh, as Charlie Murphy called it, being a habitual line stepper. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me jump in on that because you know th- this is the problem with the NFL and, and the differences between organizations that have established a culture and the way that they want to win. There are certain organizations on their way up. They find these people like him. And part of the reason why they put them on a leadership team because it's like, you know, you date that person that you think you can change, and you think just by putting them in this right situation, they're going to act the right way, right? So what they said was, we need this guy. In a way, we, we might be able to change him is we're going to put him in a leadership position because there he's going to have a sense of responsibility that may make him think about what he's going to do. And one of the things Bill Polian said today was interesting. He said, these guys cost you. They cost you in penalties. They cost you in games. You know, these guys cost you somewhere in the field of play. And, but certain organizations, 
know that they're at a certain point in their development, in their process, where they got to take a chance on a guy like this. And they're hoping that they got the kind of locker room who can manage it. And, I mean, in, in NFL teams always evaluate this level of risk, right? And that's the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the tough thing about it. You always hear when we have these situations, they're like, you know, I don't care what it does home life, as long as he can help us win, right? Even when we talked about, you know, issues around um, who might be the first active player who is gay to come out, they always say, well, I don't care what they do as long as they can play. And so what he has is he's proven he can play, right? And so they, have, they evaluate this level of risk, and so what they try to do is they say, we're going to put him on a leadership team so that we can kind of control him. We think by bestowing this level of, uh, of responsibility on him, that might make him think about the kinds of choices he's making, right? And you, we all know that cat that it doesn't matter. That's just, that's just an opportunity for them to leverage some of the stuff they want to do. So that's the, that's the irony of this is that the NFL teams always take these chances because some of these guys they believe can help them win. And they're willing to live with the risk, and they hope they don't have a situation like this. Coaches lay up every night, GMs lay up every night, hoping certain players something doesn't happen. <laughs> they ain't making that phone call. They ain't, they ain't hitting Twitter. They're they just hoping they make it to Sunday <laughs> to make a tackle and make a play. And they got about three right. or four of those players on every team. And unless you've got a Palomalo or somebody or somebody who is watching, <laughs> knowing that they're about to go off and tap them on the shoulder when they got that evil thought in their mind, you know, you, 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 you so you always got this risk. You know, you got to figure out what this level of risk. This has happened to backfire on Miami. And they thought by putting him on the leadership team, that would be a way to control it. You ain't controlling this cat. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 that's and that's kind of and that's kind of how that worked out for. Him. So I want to keep us moving, though. I want to keep I want to keep the show going because we can talk. I think we can yeah. talk about that yeah. for a minute because again, like I said, there's a lot of layers, and there's still things that you know this is an evolving storyline, and there's still things that are going to continue to come out. I'm sure as to kind of how this how this situation got to the point it did, where you have now the Dolphins out two offensive linemen. Um, I, I, we go. We gonna see. We gonna see because there's gonna be more coming out. Now I want to hit impressive performance from last week. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have PhD weigh in first with an impressive performer. Who you got, brother? I'm gonna go with. Wow. I'm gonna go with Riot. No, I'm gonna go with Nick Foles. Seven touchdowns. <laughs> We've only seen that what five or six times in the history of the NFL. We've seen it twice this season. Uh, that yeah. should not underscore how impressive that is. So I'm going to go with Nick Foles, it's especially how tough, how bad he looked two weeks ago when he started. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, kind of piggybacking off of that a little bit, Nick Foles, it, it, it was kind of out of nowhere, honest to God. It was kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, I was at my mom's house, you know, it was my one of my daughter's, uh, was having a had a birthday yesterday, and so we were at my mom's house, and she was getting her hair braided for her birthday. And you know, I'm I'm doing some work on my on my laptop, and I happen to check my phone and check on the scores, and I look up and I see Foles has got four touchdowns. And I'm like, oh man, that was a great game. Game must be finna be over. 
And then I really look, and it's second quarter. And I'm like, oh, snap, foes is going off. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yay me. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> so it was definitely a surprise and unexpected. And like you said, man, that's, that's, that's rarefied air. I don't care who did it, when they did it. That's rarefied air. Um, so hats off to Nick Foles. Uh, PAD's impressive performer for week nine. D. Will, I gotta, I gotta yeah. ask Marcus. Um, we have to bring in a third party. So Marcus picked up Nick Foles in in a PPR league we're in together, Devon. Mm-hmm. And Nick Foles obviously had a great week. And so I picked up, believe it or not, Tom Brady from the waiver wire. <laughs> I don't oh know why somebody dropped him. Yeah, they dropped him literally an hour before the game, and I think he traded hands by – I was the second person to pick him up on the waiver wire that day. That, that's another thing, Marcus. Why doesn't Royster have a waiting period? I don't know. <laughs> drop... I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of people in this particular league that just – I scratch my head sometimes. Why are there 75 teams? Right. <laughs> so – Sidebar, I played against Royster. She beat me, goodness. But, so there's only two bench spots. And I had Calvin Johnson, Peyton Manning. um, Who else did I have? Uh, The San Francisco defense. Five of my eight guys that I started, or actually seven guys weren't available. So I only played three people. (laughs) (laughs) But I lost. Right, right. And this was going to be that week. This was going to be that week. Sometimes in this particular league, because you only have two bench spots, you know what, you're going to look at your roster and say, you know what, I'm not dropping anybody. I'm just going to have to just roll with what I got. You know, I'm not, I'm not, the guys that aren't playing, I'm not dropping them. So this is just what, it is what it is. I'm going to have to either take an L or somebody's going to have to carry me through this. So, So Devon, I, I offered Marcus, again, Nick Foles is his quarterback. I offered Marcus. Tom Brady for Eric Decker, straight up, in a PPR. Mm. And uh, Marcus said, hey, I'm rolling with Nick Foles. Wow. Yeah, he just rolled the dice. Wow. Hey, I, I, I don't think it's a roll of the dice, though. Uh, Foles has had one, two bad quarters, period. And that was a game he got knocked out of with a concussion. But other than that, he's been pretty much lights out. He's now, been pretty been much lights out. But you know Decker gonna get some grabs, right? Say so what? I got Decker. You know, you, you oh you got Decker, so he offered it for yeah, Decker. Yeah, I got so Decker. Decker. So he oh. he wanted me to take Brady. Yeah, he wanted oh, me to take yeah. Brady, and I said I'm rolling nah. with Foles. Oh no! Nah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, because my because you know because his stock you know Foles stock is high, but it's it's it's, it's like a. It's like a guy that scored a lot of, uh, like a guy that scored a lot, you know, the first week of the uh, fantasy football, and then everybody adjusts to him. <laughs> so he's going to be but, on everybody's radar. And, and quiet as Kevin, quiet as Kevin, I didn't throw it out some feelers for bowls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm texting the market. <laughs> <laughs> he said, no, no, don't sleep on game changers. Don't sleep on game changers actually oh, now. <laughs> you know, I'm learning anyway. You just want to stay hot. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I wasn't interested in I wasn't interested in Brady for Decker. I'm not I didn't I'm not trying to move Deck. You know, Deck is cool. We 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 want Decker in there. This but, league uh, is so we have 16 teams 
And so I am shopping Cecil Shorts. Again, this is a PPR league. He's pretty valuable. Percy Harvin and Tom Brady for just a startable receiver better for a better than Cecil Shorts. That's it. I mean, outside of that, my roster's pretty tight. And no bites. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, people don't trust you, man. <laughs> nah, I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's that. His name, is pretty, his name is pretty credible in the league. <laughs> he got a pretty credible rep. I and, think the uh, fact that the matter is, is that. He's about even winning. He's been winning. They don't want to help you win no more anymore. Well, that's, that's the one credibility. league I didn't win last year. That's the one league they, I didn't win last year. So, oh, but, it, but it, that's why I think you're highly motivated. You know something. <laughs> well, well, I think the other thing is, man, is that, is that uh, the position that's at a premium is the running back spot. And that's what I told PhD as well was that, man, you ain't give me no running back. I ain't got time for it because that's, that's really, really everything else is a crapshoot. Um, you know, I got consistent receivers. I think I can get a consistent amount of points out of foes. Chip Kelly going to have him throwing the ball. But, you know, I took I took uh, Sean McCoy and David Wilson as my uh, running back. Then. As you know, I don't own David Wilson anymore. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think anybody does at this point in the season. So yeah, that's 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 kind of where the whole situation is in that league. Where you know, every week I'm looking for a running back <laughs> on the way to wire. Like who can I give? Who can I roll the dice and start this week? You know, so it, that's that's kind of the nature of things in that league, man. It it, it, it it's tight. It, it, it's, it's it's like I said, it's 75 squads, man. It's 75 teams. Right. It's just too many, too many people. So, D. Will, you're an impressive performer. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, Nick Foles is great. You mentioned Brady. But I, I want to say somebody who's reemerged and it's kind of like uh, came back is uh, Chris Johnson. He had 150 yards rushing. He averaged about 6.5 yards per carry, had two TDs. You know, this guy had been in the witness protection program. I had him in my stuff, and I was like, is he ever going to come back? He, you know, after having that great season, you know, he was all hype. He was over everywhere, and he just fell off. His stock fell off hard. It was good to see him have a solid week, kind of getting that running game back together, getting that victory against, you know, up-and-coming St. Louis team. But uh, I like that. You know, aside from Brady, I can't say anything because he would my Steelers, but I would say Chris Johnson because he, he was in the witness protection program for a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, CJ, CJ2K. I remember we had a conversation when y'all tried to argue me down on taking Matt Ryan first from that draft class over CJ two K. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm bringing it up. <laughs> if you hear me chewing it if you hear me right. chewing it, right. eating my words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the position, man. it's not an indictment on CJ two K, it's just the nature of that position man. Quarterback is the most valuable position in the NFL and the second most valuable position in sports. The first is major league pitching, starting pitching. In each sport, if you have that particular thing, you have a chance to win. And in the NFL, if you got a sound quarterback, if you got good quarterback play, you got a chance to win. Just like in baseball, if you have a nice starting rotation, you got a good chance to be in it down at down at the end of the season. That's really, I mean, what it boils down to. My impressive performer T.Y. Hilton, uh, this dude balled. Um, Houston, uh, Indian, Indianapolis was down. Um, big to Houston, down 21 points. 
rallied, and won the game. During that rally, T.Y. Hilton caught three touchdown receptions. Big play after big play, he and Andrew Luck were hooking up. Um, I have him on a couple of my teams, and I'm happy <laughs> that I do because I think he's going to ball out on, for the rest of the season. So T.Y. Hilton was my impressive performer. So for week nine, we have Nick Foles. We have CJ2K, Chris Johnson from the Tennessee uh, Titans. And we have T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver, the Indianapolis coach. Boom, laying it down. Now let's get inside six in the chamber for week 10. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. RSG, Renegade Radio, in the midst of our Week 9 NFL recap. We're going to get into our six in the chamber right now. First game we have on the – well, first let's update the standings, all right? Last week, D. Will came in first uh, with a 5-1 and one record. He hit on wow. Miami over Cincinnati. He hit on Kansas City, beating Buffalo. He hit with Washington, beating San Diego. He hit with Michigan State beat Michigan, and he hit with Florida State riding the famous Jameis Wave. The only loss he got was Green Bay, and nobody predicted Aaron Rodgers was going to go down. <laughs> I'm saying, man, that's it. man, Aaron Rodgers going down, man, that's a, that's, that's a bad situation. That's a bad situation. That's a bad, bad situation for Green Bay. So he, he, hit, he hit pretty much across the board. So right now he's in first place at 34 and 14. Uh, or kind of running away with it. Um, I hope you. I hope y'all got your checkbooks, y'all listeners out there. I hope y'all got your checkbooks out. I hope y'all been trying to make some paper. I'm not. I'm not advocating anything. <laughs> but if you're anywhere, near, if you're anywhere near Vegas, you should have been doing well last week. If you listen to me. <laughs> right, I'm just saying. If you listen to D. Wills, your yeah, house payment should be secure. <laughs> right. Right. If you listen to PhD. You didn't do as well as D. Wills, but you did better than anybody listened to me. <laughs> my man, my man, PhD went three and three on the week. He's at thirty and eighteen uh, going into week ten. So he's he's sitting in second. He's still in position. He's still within striking distance of D. Wills. He needs a couple good weeks, and he's right back in the mix. He picks up a game or two here and there on D. Wills, and then you got me. Oh, this happens to me every year, man. Usually I lose. I, I lose the standing somewhere in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I lost the standings in the trash. How did that happen? You know, something like that goes back. <laughs> so, I went two and four, man. Gosh. I can't believe this, brother. I went two and four. So, I'm at 28 and 20. That's just dope. I had 20 losses. So, I'm at 28 and 20. Uh, I got to recover. I got to get back on the ball this week. It's just not going well for me. So that's where the standings are. Got D. Will in first, PhD in second, and me at the bottom. Tanking, 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 tanking for draft picks. That's what I'm doing right now. There ain't no draft, so I don't know what's going on. All right. So we got this week, for the first game we got, we have the Carolina Panthers going in to San Francisco, the Yay area, to take on. The 49ers, Carolina is hot right now. You know, you hear my name in the streets, I'm kind of hot right now. That's, that's what Carolina's saying. They're right now they're saving Ron Rivera's job. Cam Newton is elevating his status once again. Uh, they got a nice running game going. The defense is playing very well. The defense is playing very well. they got a great pass rush, um, nice linebacking core. they got it going. Um, they're looking like they're going to be the second-best team coming out the NFC South. 
And if they continue to play the way they're playing, they may put themselves in a position to challenge the New Orleans Saints. But this week, they're going in to take on Colin Kaepernick and the San Francisco 49ers, who have also turned the corner, who are also kind of hot right now, also on a little bit of a streak. And they're fighting to get back into their division race, chasing the Seattle Seahawks, who have hit a couple bumps in the road over the last couple of weeks. So, fellas, let's go ahead and weigh in on this particular game. Uh, I'm going to start out with my man, Ph.D. Who you got, San Francisco or Carolina? I like Carolina on the road. They've been playing really well, and their defense, quiet as kept. They're doing things that the San Francisco defense was doing last year in terms of not giving up rushing touchdowns, giving up minimal scores in the first half. Um, so I like Carolina. I think they're very, very underrated. Cam Newton quietly as it's kept, is playing like a top-ten quarterback this year. And, I mean, he he's doing some wild things in terms of running the football and throwing touchdown passes. Word, word, no doubt. No doubt about that. B. Wills, who are you taking in the Panthers versus the 49ers matchup? Uh, this is in the Bay Area. And so I'm going with the 49ers at home. Uh, they've just been putting together a little run, getting physical here. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game, two great young quarterbacks. I think it's going to be, you know, high scoring. I just think the home field advantage is going to be the difference, San Francisco. All right. Next game we got. We got oh, – and in that game I'm taking San Francisco as well. Um, I'm taking San Francisco at home. Um <laughs> Like, did you just give up? I think. Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm, just, I'm done. I'm for, I forfeit. <laughs> I forfeit this. I'm going to push on everything. I'm going for ties. I'm calling all ties. <laughs> we got we got Denver at San Diego this week. We got the Denver Broncos coming off by coming off of a bye. Um, Peyton Manning has been uh, hot as ever this season. Doing Peyton Manning things. Every week, uh, got a great receiving core. Has even brought No. Sean Moreno back to life. People forget he was a former first. He's a first round running back. You know, he's a guy taken in the first round. He's starting to play like it. He's earning that check. He's earning that title. Uh, the defense is still kind of coming around for Denver. I expect this San Diego matchup to be a high scoring affair. San Diego right now is 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 putting up a lot of points defensively. They're struggling to find some consistency. Um, being able to stop the pass, being able to stop the run, um, can't stop a nosebleed with this squad right now defensively. But Phillip Rivers, you know, he wills your guy. He's trying to win back your faith, man. He's trying to bring you back yeah. into the flock. He's trying to make you a believer again. He's playing really well. He's playing some good yeah. football. Keenan Allen, young receiver out of California, is playing really well. Antonio Gates is doing what he does. So they have, and Ryan Matthews is kind of helping out a little bit too. So San Diego's got a great offense. Defense is terrible. Um, Denver's got an excellent offense. Defense is a little bit better. D. Will, who you got in this matchup? Uh, I got Denver. You know, I just think uh, it's going to be a great game. I think San Diego's going to do very well, but I just think Denver um, is going to, you know, begin to make their run for that collision against Kansas City. Um, I think they'll win a close one. This will be a field goal, but uh, Peyton will Peyton will run out of there with his helmet on with the victory. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. I'm gonna pick. The, I'm gonna pick next. Call, I'm going call on that. He said he caught that one. Yeah. He always does. He's helmet on. He does. I never noticed that before. 
figured you'd catch that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that resonates with me because my dad, my dad grew up in Detroit, man. And, you know, uh, in Detroit, they they still play games during the day, city games, okay? Yeah. There's no Friday night lights typically in the city. And so no. my dad used to tell me when he played high school football, you never know what's going on. You always keep your helmet on. Somebody might pull That's out a right. in the crowd. So uh, <laughs> I'm like, Dad, uh, we're in Kalamazoo now. It's a little different, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Atmosphere is just slightly different. It was like that when we played at Mumford, Murray, Wright, Holland Park. Wear your uniform. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in that particular game, um, again, I expected to be a shooter. I expected to be a high school and a fair. And we, when, you, when Peyton Manning and the defense is not going to put up a whole lot of resistance, it's just a bad recipe. Um, I think Denver keeps – it keeps right on doing what they've been doing. They're going to put up a lot of points, and San Diego's just not going to be able to match it. Um, they're going to put up a lot of points on their side, but I just don't think they have enough firepower, and I think Denver's defense will get just enough stops um, to to pull out the picture. So I'm going Denver. PhD, who you got in that one? I'm going Denver as well. All right. So game number three. So we all go Denver there. Game number three, we have the Philadelphia Eagles uh, led by Nick Foles coming off a seven-touchdown game. Uh, big numbers all the way around for his receiving core, Riley Cooper, Deshaun Jackson, all ball. Uh, the defense stepped up, played a good game against the Raiders. So Philly's coming off of a big win. And then you have Green Bay on the other side without Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Seneca Wallace would at least have some reps this week with the first team. Uh, Eddie Lacy had a big day running the ball. You're going to see a lot of him. We know Philly's defense can't stop anything right now. Um, this one could go a lot of different ways. Um, I'm going to go first. I'm going Philly. Um, I think one of the biggest assets of Green Bay's defense, it kind of had that, that, that Peyton Manning and Indianapolis effect. Your offense put so much pressure on the other team to score that it made your defense a little bit better. Um, I don't think Green Bay's defense is that good. I think they're going to have a hard time uh, stopping Philadelphia. I'm going with Philly. I'm riding with Nick Foles. I'm going with Philly on the road to steal one in Lambeau. PhD, what's your call? I'm going Philly as well. I just can't trust the Packers right now without the trigger man. D. Wills, who you got? Yeah, man, I, I watched that uh, Seneca Wallace performance, man. And for some reason, I highlighted Green Bay here, but I must have been on crack. I'm going with Philly. I just get Seneca Wallace just frustrated me, and, 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 and I'm like, "What is Green? What is Green crack, Bay don't doing you? with Seneca Wallace?" It's crack, don't you? He looks so crazy back there. I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, they better call somebody off the bench. All right, I'm going with Green. I'm going with Philly. What are you all yeah, about? Yeah, I was playing, getting picked up. With who? Hey. <laughs> Plan. This is the last place he was successful. He knows the system. He was available. <laughs> he wasn't doing nothing. So, I mean, <laughs> wasn't like he was busy. <laughs> it was the last place he was successful, man. I mean, this cat, man, He, I mean, is he collecting jerseys this year? Shouldn't he? I mean, he's got a pretty nice collection. 
If he if yeah. he just kept his roster, if he kept his, I mean, he's been on what three teams in the last eighteen months? Four. This would be the fourth. Yeah, man. Green Bay pick him up. Did they? I don't know. They should have. I mean, he know the system. He ain't busy. It would make sense. You know, bring him in. See what you can get for him. I tell you what, though, they pulled a fast one on everybody with that one. <laughs> they pulled the fast one on everybody with that one. So, D. Wills, you're going with Philly. All right. Mm-hmm. Our last game, our last NFL game. Last NFL game we got. We have two teams who I really just don't like a whole lot. I can't stand either one of these franchises. And the reason I can't stand them is because every time I put a little face into these teams, they bite me in the backside. Um, Cincinnati at Baltimore, two teams right now. Cincinnati's having some success this year. They just lost Geno Atkins, which is going to hurt, um, which has hurt. Um, they're coming off of a loss to the Dolphins in a game that they should have won in a game they had control of, and they let slip away. Andy Dalton again continues to – and that's really what bothers me about these teams. They have the same type of guy at quarterback, in my opinion. Um and Flacco and Andy Dalton, guys who are good enough to have some great moments at the right time, but then guys who will kill you from time to time with just boneheadedness, just outright tomfoolery, ignorant, dumb decisions. <laughs> <laughs> tell me how you feel, man. Right. Just tell me. Let, let it all you know, out. Tell me why. You know, tell me why you're mad, dog. Right. <laughs> tell me why you're mad, son. So, PAZ, in this matchup, who are you going with? Cincinnati's on the road, going into the B-more. Who you got? I'm going with Baltimore. And if Ray Weiss is out there listening, Ray, I need more from you. You were my first-round draft pick in Hamilton's League. You're telling me, man. Preach. I need more from you. I need more from you. You know, uh, during your bye week, you started talking about how you got your legs back. And, I mean, you sold me again. I had a nice trade offer, and I said, no, I'm not going to trade him as if he's a running back three. I'm going to hold on to him as an RB1. And uh, it was bad. It was really bad on Sunday. <laughs> it was No, it was not bad, PhD. It was not bad. It was crappy, bro. It was crappy. I... I have Ray Rice. He's my RB1. Took him in the first round. All right? I have him in the league. I started him and Zach Stacy. Zach Stacy balled for me. You know yeah. who I had on my bench? Who I didn't start? TJ2K. I'm mad. Oh. <laughs> I could have won. I could have won that particular matchup. So instead of being four and five, I'm three and six. I'm staring mm. down the barrel of three and six because Ray Rice was to show up for me, man. I'm sick of it. I'm fed up. Week in, week out, I show faith in this dude, but put him in my starting lineup, and he gave me nothing. I'm tired of it, man. I'm sick of it. I don't know about you, PhD, but I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. <laughs> See, Will, who you got in your man? Who you got in your <laughs> Oh, boy, the emotions running high here, boy. Everybody trying to get back into the mix with me. They uh, are who we I'm thought 
Hey, uh, you know, my, my, my brother was at, and Phil, I forgot to tell you this, my brother was at the Cleveland game, guessing, you know, uh, John Harbaugh. Okay. I just think they got the right to ship. Uh, I guess Baltimore. I don't know why. Flacco just disappoints me. Uh, I know they shouldn't give him the money, but, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. Sometimes you got to go through these things to understand it. You gotta, they say you're going to grow. But I just think this is a game going to win. And Cincinnati, this is a – like I told you, the Miami game, these are the kind of games Cincinnati loses. I don't know why they do it. They should win it. But I'll go with Baltimore. And you're absolutely right. And that's what gets me mad about Cincinnati. Again, this is a tell, tell them why you mad segment right now. Forget it. Because, <laughs> again, these two teams infuriate me, man. That's exactly it, D-Wheels. You hit it on the head. Every time you think Cincinnati is not going to do what Cincinnati does, they turn around and do what Cincinnati does. <laughs> and they do it to you over and over again. Every time you think, okay, this squad is different. Marvin Lewis got his boys on the right page. They're they, they not going to lose this road game like they always do. And then they do it. And that's what I did last week. I went with Cincinnati against Miami, yeah. and Cincinnati burned me. But then I don't trust Baltimore either. No. Because <laughs> they do the same. They're doing the same thing right now. They're the same team right now. They don't have as good of a record, but they're the same kind of team. The games you think they should win, they don't win. And the games that they need to win to prove to you that they're that team and you want to buy in, they lose. And I just I, I don't know what to do with this game. Um, I'm going. Forget it. I'm going to Cincinnati one more week, man. They like shoot me in the head and shoot me in the foot, man. Shoot me in the foot. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna shoot you in the head. I'm gonna shoot you in the foot. Shoot me in the foot, man. I'm taking Cincinnati. All right, I'm taking Cincinnati. Just on strategy purpose, I got to gain a game somewhere in this mix. Both of y'all going to Baltimore. I'm going to have to bust it out and go Cincy. All right, so now we're moving on to our college games. Listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. All right, Renegade Radio, I'm going to have a man, PhD, kick us off real quick. Um, Oklahoma at Baylor. Oklahoma's ranked, uh, I think they're close to the top ten. Baylor's number seven. Um, this is a pretty big game in the Big 12. Uh, Baylor's a high-scoring team putting up 50-plus points per game, video game kind of numbers. I like their helmets, the gold helmets that they got, the kind of chromey gold deals. I like those. Yeah. Other than that, who are you taking? I'm going with Baylor because you have – this is – you know, I was reading an article on uh, CNNSI.com, and this is actually the biggest rival right now in terms of recruiting is Baylor – and uh, in terms of Texas kids, Baylor and Oklahoma, not Oklahoma and Texas, not Oklahoma, Texas A&M, actually Baylor and Oklahoma. So I'm going to take Baylor because this is going to give them a chance to really take that next step. All right. So you got Baylor. I'm going Baylor as well. D. Wills, which way are you going on this one? You know, Baylor, they talk about Baylor being uh, Oregon, the Ducks of the South with physical play. They got they play physical. Uh, I think this is one they got to win to keep that momentum. I, I say Baylor at home. Okay. So we all going Baylor on that one. Now, last game we got on the docket, big Pac-12 matchup. 
huge Pac-12 matchup with national championship implications. We got the Oregon Ducks, led by Marcus Super Mariota, going in to take on David Shaw and his Stanford Cardinal at home, coming to Palo Alto, Oregon, fast-paced attack, uh, DeAnthony Thomas, you know, all the weapons that they got, D. Wills. Help me under who are you picking? Help me help me understand who are you picking and why are you picking. Oregon has always been great. They've always had these great runs, but there's a game they always lose. Right? It was <laughs> it was it was when they go against USC. You know, it's just something. It's like a kryptonite game. Like all, everything should tell you they should win. But Stanford, this is like this is like the opposites attract. You know, they're physical, they run the ball, they do this. I'm going with the Cardinals. I'm going with Stanford. Okay. So you going with Stanford gonna in this one. I'm going with Stanford. I'm going with Stanford. This is going to upset the Cowboys. Oh. So That's now, now yeah, let's say you are. Okay, so, so my man PAZ is going in on Stanford. Now, D. Wills, tell me this. I'm going to Oregon. I'm going with the Ducks. And let's say Oregon loses. How do you see the national championship picture being changed by Stanford jumping up and beating Oregon? Do you think Stanford now puts himself into a, the position to um, possibly take a, a, one of those top two BCS spots? Uh, I, I think Florida they, I, State with this win is the question. Uh, I don't know if they jump over Florida State just because of the way Florida State has been winning against some great competition. But I think they definitely, because they'll have another chance. I mean, they'll get into a, uh, the Pac-12 if they have their championship or whatever that might be. They'll have some games. I think they can earn it. Um, I, I think Florida State has just been impressive in their big games. But, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, the Pac-12 is seen as that the second strongest conference. So I wouldn't be surprised. But I, I would hold on for one more week with Florida State at that number two spot. Mm. Okay, yeah, and, and Florida State has has been uh, has been raking people right now. They've been they've been they've been they've been taking people out back and and jacking them up um, pretty good. Um, and, and you know, famous. It, it, where are you at with famous James? You know, how how do you feel about this kid as a prospect? Um, you know, people rave about his leadership. You know, they show clips of him in the locker room, uh, getting guys going, getting guys riled up. He's got a swag about him. He's got a cool calmness. No moment is too big for this kid. How do you think? How do you think his skill set? How, how do you feel about his skill set right now? Well, I, I see it. You know, he's from Bessemer, Alabama, hometown where my my uh, my wife's father and mother grew up. Uh, you know, he he got that dog in him, and uh, but I, I think he just you know what he is is he's 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 showing you how much these young people mature. Um, uh, and how much uh, they've grown in high school and, and how they develop these quarterbacks, you know, it doesn't seem like any moment's that big for it. You know, it, it feels like some of these, these, these young college quarterbacks are coming in a lot like these young basketball players who have been through AAU, been under the limelight, you know, and so they would get to Kentucky. It just doesn't seem like the lights are too big for them. They used to be on that stage. And you're now beginning to see these young quarterbacks coming in with that same type of, you know, not – too big for the moment, and he's he's another example of that you saw that with Johnny Manziel. You know that idea of just having that kind of little redshirt freshman year 
and being it, but this moment isn't too big for him. And I just think he's going to be ready for the next level. I think he has the right attitude. I think um, you could tell the influence of the generation ahead of him on this kind of work ethic about this focus um, that, that uh, you can see. And the great thing about it is nobody's talking to about him being a black quarterback, just a quarterback. Which is, you know, it tells you how much the game has changed. Um, and he just seemed like, you know, Powerball was seen when he went to Michigan. You know what I'm saying? It was just that's yeah. where we are in this generation. And they ready for the moment, man, in a way that D. Rose was ready for the moment when he went to Kentucky. And you never thought that would happen with quarterbacks in, in college football because of the complexity of the game. But he just doesn't seem like the stage is too big for him. I'd never forget that moment when he went into Clemson in Death Valley, and they were, the, the camera was on him as he was walking in. And he's just smiling and teeth and just looking and looking back at his teammates. It's like, I got this. There's something right. about that. And, 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 and there is. What? Yeah. yeah, and there is, man, and he, and he understands. And, and you know, it's, the, it's, that, it's that sense of, uh, sense of the moment that we talk about, I think, that, that the great ones has. Um, that that when we talk about guys like Floyd, guys like Mike, um, they had you know a sense of how to create a moment, how to own a moment. You know what I mean? How to how to take that moment and mold it and and shift it and shape it into what they wanted it to be. And you know he has that. You know he has it where certain guys try and have it and it's a little contrived. You know I think yeah. Cam kind of came off that way coming out. RG3 kind of has a little bit of that, where they try and create moments, but these guys mm-hmm. let things happen naturally, and then they take that, and they and on the fly, they can they can make something of it, make a moment happen, make something. And, and I think when you think about guys like Brett Favre, Brett Favre had that too, that ability to mm-hmm. take something and, and just in, 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 inject themselves into it, inject their persona, their energy into a particular moment, and just own it, and just totally mm-hmm. own it. And, and allow people to follow them. And I, I like Jameis. I like Jameis a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and you made a great point about the idea that nobody's talking about him as a black quarterback. There's a lot of guys, mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater, um, Taj Boyd. You know, the idea, I, and what's amazing is that the idea of a guy not being able to be mobile nowadays, I think, is becoming uh, the exception. Mm-hmm. Instead of the the uh, the outlier of the guy who's a, who can run, if you're a quarterback and you can't, when you talk about Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater, when you talk about uh, Jameis, when you're talking about Manziel, these guys they're not they're not Peyton Manning and they're not Tom Brady in that way. They're definitely guys who can also beat you with. They're more Aaron Rodgers, you know. Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers may be patient zero of this kind of – well, no, he's not, because there have been guys who could run before him, like Steve Young and, and you know, guys like that who, who moved and, and ran well as, as from the quarterback position, Mike Drake, guys like that, but also could dissect you from the pocket. Um, and that seems to be the norm now. That seems to be what the league is really looking for, are guys who have some mobility. And if you're coming in a league without mobility, you're viewed now as a project instead of the prototypical pocket passer that we used to look for back, you know, even back 10 years ago. So things have shifted. Things have definitely shifted. Things have definitely have changed. Um, I want to bring in, I think we got everybody's picks for our six in the chamber. So you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. That concludes our six in the chamber. We're going to update the uh, rankings next week. I'm hoping to perform much better than I have in the past <laughs> couple of weeks. 
Um, but we'll we'll see how everybody does. We'll definitely update you on that. I'm gonna pass it off to my man PhD. He's got a special guest joining us tonight. I'm gonna let him bring our guest in. It's all yours, brother. Yeah, tonight we got Luke Ho- uh, Luke Hoover from RotoWire.com. Luke has been with us. Uh, this is the second season we've had Luke on talking fantasy football. He's a senior uh, fantasy football writer on RotoWire.com. You can reach Luke on Twitter at at Hoover underscore L underscore A. Luke, how's it going this year for you? Just uh, ready to go for uh, the second half of the season right now. Now, Luke, last time we had you on, um, we talked about the Notre Dame loss in the championship. I know you're a Notre Dame alum. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stay away from there. Before we jump into the fantasy football, i got to ask you about your Celtics. I remember you are a big-time Celtic fan. Um, my memory served me correctly, right? Well, I, actually, um, I'm, I stay away from the, the city of Boston and sports for the most part because of uh, the Notre Dame-Boston College rivalry that I experienced growing up and uh, while I was a student there. I'm, I grew up a Knicks fan, as a matter of fact. So wow. Memory's slightly off there, but we did. I think we did talk Celtics the last time I was on. It was... Uh, I think right uh, around the time Rajon Rondo got hurt last year. Yeah, so so that's two strikes against me for me. To <laughs> no problem. You know, and to bring up the NBA thing does sting a little bit. Hasn't been quite a year yet, but uh, you know what? The season's going okay so, for, so far for us. We just got to somehow manage to beat the Cardinals at the end of the year. All right. So so Luke is going to join us for the next twenty twenty five minutes or so, <laughs> and to really get you ready for Week Ten and fantasy football. Um, as you know, when we talk fantasy football on this show, we talk point poor receptions and also individual defensive player formats. Uh, Luke, let's get started talking about this deep and talented rookie running back class that is really making some noise. The first time we've seen a strong group of running backs like this, it's been a few years here. I mean, you got Lacey, Stacy, uh, Ellington had a great uh, week a couple of weeks ago. Help us make sense of this group. Yeah, you know what? It's it, to me, it's a bit a bit of a surprise. I knew there was some talent there, and you know, I liked a few of these names in the draft. Um, you know, in particular, one guy I targeted early that I liked. You know, from right when they picked him was Zach Stacy. So I'm not totally surprised what, what he, by what he's done. He just looked really good on film at Vanderbilt. You know, was one of the leading rushers uh, in, in the SEC there. And uh, he built really low to the ground. It reminds me a little bit of Frank Gore in that way. You know, um, just kind of bounces off tacklers. He's not going to run, you know, blaze down the field and run right through a defense or anything like that. He's, he doesn't have phenomenal speed. He's got really good vision and balance. And he was an aimless to me, so I'm not really that surprised by him. But the class as a whole, you know, I, I didn't see it coming. You know, last year there were some more name-brand guys and there were a couple first-rounders in uh, Trent Richardson and Doug Martin that went crazy. For a little right. while, and you know Alfred Moore or Alfred Morrison, Washington stepped up, you know, out of nowhere. But this year, you got guys, you know, you got a, a few Alfred Morrises, really. I mean, Stacy's one of them. He was a fifth round pick. Andre Ellington, I, I will even admit, I didn't see coming at all. Um, yeah. The talent, I, I believe, was there when he came out of Clemson, but I just didn't see him, you know, getting the ball significantly at the pro level. He's a little thin framed, you know, a little less than 200 pounds. But uh, he's extremely elusive, great, you know, lateral quickness. Uh, he's kind of a deceptive runner. He can he can juke really easily in the open field. 
and he's got the the acceleration to get there. We saw that on the 80-yard yeah. touchdown run against the Falcons. This is a guy who's a sixth-round pick, and uh, you know at the end of the preseason there were there was discussion whether or not he might get cut. He was probably the fifth guy on the depth chart. They actually kept fifth, five running backs, uh, and I thought the other rookie in uh, Arizona would would step up to the plate and back up Mendenhall and maybe even steal the job and step Fan Taylor. You know, who's a name I think you could watch out for in the second half of the season? He uh, split carries with Ellington against Atlanta. Had nowhere near the same success, but, you know, that kid was the, the all-time leading rusher in Stanford, and I think he's got a lot of talent as well, and that those two are probably the future of the backfield. Uh, they, they've been the guys that kind of come out of nowhere, but we knew about Eddie Lacy, you know, Giovanni Bernard, and Le'Veon Bell. These guys were all second-round picks. Um, you know, Lacy. They kind of played coy in Green Bay in the preseason when you weren't right. clear if he'd be the feature back, but now he's gotten over 22 carries, and I think it's now five straight games. You know, he just ripped through the Bears last night. It'll really be interesting to see, you know, how um, how he fares against defenses now. You know, with with Rodgers probably going to be missing, a, you know, a good two or three games at the minimum with the, uh, you know, uh, uh, broken collarbone. You know, Chicago stacked the box, and Lacey still had success, but Chicago's defense is really hurt right now. No Lance Briggs, you know, out there for them, and they really haven't stopped the run very well at all season. So that's going to be interesting. I, I, I still like Lacey. He's probably going to get some, you know, sound, you know, some good points for you, but you're not going to expect that 150 yards. Don't expect 100 yards, I think, out of him. Flyer and Rodgers is out. The touches will still be there, though. I, I love what Gio Bernard has done. He's extremely quick, you know, a guy who's really hard to wrap up in the open field. Not a really big back. Kind of reminds me of a young Ray Rice, um, you know, the way that he moves. Uh, you know, he's built real low to the ground, similar to Rice. Great receiver out of the backfield as well. So this is a guy that's going to get you total yards. He's not. He's going to have some down games. But he, like this last game, he's going to have some huge ones, you know, two scores, 100 yards from scrimmage. And then, the, you know, as I mentioned, Le'Veon Bell, the other second rounder, He's just, a, you know, a guy who's going to be pretty steady, three down back, so he's going to have yeah. a lot of touches. He's catching the ball for Pittsburgh. You know, he has to throw it a fair amount because their defense really isn't slowing teams down. You know, England moved it up and down the field and them at will. But um, the one name I really like to watch out for the rest of the year, Mike James, what he did against Seattle was extremely impressive. You know, he's a yeah. really, you know, big back, you know, support, like deceptively big. He's 5'10", but he's about 225. And he gets downhill in a hurry. He's an aggressive runner, the lower shoulder, and he finishes runs. Uh, in a way, and, and this is tough to say, I've been, I'm, I'm a Doug Martin owner in a few leagues, but in a way, I, I would almost rather them see putting Martin on IR, not risking further injury to him, and letting James you know, take that backfield. It's better, I think, for anyone who was able to get, uh, grab James you know, as a Martin owner and, and uh, pick up the handcuff. It's probably better for them for the rest of the year if Martin comes back, there's no way they're going to give him a full workload, and you're just talking about a split, and neither back is as effective. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Luke, is a lot of folks are making their playoff push for their fantasy football teams, and for for myself, we talked about earlier. I drafted Ray Rice in the first <laughs> round. He, he was my first pick. Next, we're going to talk about some guys who have just disappointed throughout the season. You know, it's always a challenge to know when should you cut your losses, uh, when should you trade them low, knowing that you're not going to get the value that you draft them at. Uh, talk a little bit about some guys that are disappointed and where owners should go with them. Yeah, absolutely. Ray Rice is pretty high up on that list. You know, um, absolutely worst season of his career so far. And, 
I think a lot does stem from the fact he had that hip injury, and I want to say it was week two. You know, so he hasn't been 100%, but this is a guy who's averaged almost four and a half yards per carry for his career and, and like eight and a half yards per catch, and he's cut those almost in half this season. He's under three yards per carry. He's 2.7, five yards a catch. Uh, the, the Ravens' offense as a whole is, is pretty awful right now. They really struggle to move the football. They're not, not opening holes for Rice. They're not blocking particularly well or protecting Flacco either. You know, so they're suffering, and they, and they, they don't have a, a very easy schedule as well. Um, a guy like Rice, you know, you'd like to think he could have a bounce back, but I just don't see it coming this season. I think he's still going to struggle, and if you could maybe even get one of these rookies because he's a name brand, maybe you could trade him for an Andre Ellington. It sounds crazy to say, but that might be better for your team the rest of the way. Um, you know, in the PPR format, Rice might still have some value because he's going to catch some passes, but it's a pretty bad year, and I don't see it getting much better. Uh, you know, another huge disappointment that stands out, I think, to probably everybody, maybe even the number one disappointment is Trent Richardson because I know in a lot of leagues I even took him ahead of Ray Rice in one league. I just wanted to have you know have him somewhere. It was the, the last league I drafted, actually. I didn't own Richardson at all, and i got to say I'm regretting that one. I, I expected, you know, you come into the year, he's going to go play for North Turner, you know, who, who led a lot of those great Emmett Smith seasons with Amy Tomlinson in San Diego. So with a guy like Richardson, you're expecting a ton of touches, uh, goal line carries and some big production. And, and maybe, you know, he struggled last year to run the football effectively, only averaged like about three and a half yards per carry. And it, it really looks like the talent's just, it's not there. Whatever it is, it's not clicking for Richardson. Athletically, he has all the tools. He's just not getting it done on the football field. Right now he's in the time show with Donald Brown. He's another guy that's that's tough to sell that low, and you're not going to get great value, but you might, you know, be able to get someone to bite thinking, oh, well, he can turn it around, the talent's still there. And, uh, you know, a similar target, like maybe Andre Ellington, you know, if they, you know, put um, Doug Martin on IR, as crazy as it sounds, I'd rather have Mike James the rest of the way than Richardson or or Ray Rice. You know, so those are a couple names that stand out immediately. You know, you look at wide receivers. To me, the biggest bust at wide receivers, Dwayne Bowe. You know, I even considered him a borderline top ten receiver coming into the, to the drafts in the summer. You know, the guy was about to, you know, be the number one featured receiver in Andy Reid offense. Alex Smith is a, you're not a great quarterback, but certainly a, a pretty competent quarterback. You know, throws a, a good football. He's accurate the ball. And, and Dwayne Bowe, you know, has already played nine games and he has two touchdowns. He's got less than 400 yards. He's not even a, not only is he not a guy you can play, you, you don't even, you're not even worth owning. He should be on the waiver wire in pretty much every league. Listen to Real Sports Guys on realsportsguys.com. We have Luke Hoover from rotowire.com. You can check out some of his columns um, and also some of the stuff he does on a weekly basis for them under the NFL tab. You can also get Luke on Twitter at at Hoover underscore L underscore A. So, Luke, I've got to ask you, um, you talked about Ellington and Rice. I actually have both of them on my roster this week. Uh, I also have DeMarco Murray. I'm going back and forth. Should I start Ellington or Rice this week? Who would you go with? Well, um, I would probably want to see what they, you know, how they designate Rashad Mendenhall if he's going to return because he did sit out that Atlanta game, which, which right. allowed uh, Ellington to lead the way. But even still, he just looks like the more explosive player right now by a mile. I mean, Andre Ellington's averaging 7.7 yards per carry, a full five yards more per carry than Rice. You know, um, Cincinnati's a tough defense. They're going to Baltimore, but 
they're going to, I think they're going to slow that offense down and they're going to be really looking to get a win in that game after the tough loss uh, at Miami, you know, with, uh, with Ellington, Houston's D has had moments, but this year is just not there. They're not, you know, stopping the ball on the ground. They're, they're pretty tough against the pass, but I think Ellington's probably the slightly better play. You know, with Ray Rice, it looks like the best you can hope at this point is maybe 80 total yards, maybe a touchdown. Oh, oh you heard me. You heard me, Luke. You heard me. Believe, believe me, I'm benching Ray Rice in the league <laughs> myself. So, And I, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm like I said, I'm kind of hoping, you know, I love Doug Martin. He was great to me last year, and, and I'm kind of hoping that um, they do right by him, don't risk the injury, you know, put the kid on IR. They're, they're 0-8. And uh, you know, let my game start for me this week over at Rice. <laughs> All right, a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with Luke Hoover. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. All right, and you're back with the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Benny Gay Radio. We're in the house with Luke Hoover, rotowire.com. Uh, Luke, this is a game changer. Jumping in real quick. Uh, how you doing, my man? I'm great, man. I'm uh, enjoying a, a great, another good football season. I'm uh, perplexed by the massive amount of injuries there have been this year. Uh, you know, it's it's made it tougher for us to try to figure out you know, who are the good plays every week because there's, a you know, a lot of names that otherwise wouldn't be seeing the field. Absolutely. And so that's where we kind of want to pick up our conversation is is talking about the multitude of injured big-name players and how do fantasy owners, what are your recommendations for fantasy owners looking to replace some of this, what we thought was going to be top-level production um, in our lineups that we've lost due to injury. When you're talking about Aaron Rodgers now joining the list, but guys who are out for the season, um, Julio Jones, Reggie Wayne, Randall Cobb, looks like he's going to be out for the duration of the season. Um, Doug Martin, as you mentioned before, how are you recommending that owners go about, and also Justin Blackman, who's out with, uh, with the suspension now, um, how do you think owner, how would you recommend owners go about filling in for these big-name players um, who are now injured and just unavailable? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a really long list, and it goes back into the, even to the preseason when you saw guys like, you know, Harvin getting hurt, uh, Jeremy Macklin going out for the year, uh, you know, a guy like Denario Alexander, you know, in San Diego where, where now we're seeing Keenan Allen really stepping up. So it's it's kind of um, a lot of young guys, a lot of backups that are getting chances, and the, really the best way to go about it is just, you know, pick the, pick the best situation and take your shot with with a guy, you know, who's unproven but he's getting the opportunity because right now you really need somebody who's just going to be on the field a lot. And that's that's what you lose with some of these top guys getting hurt, like Doug Martin who's leading the league in carries when he goes down. You know, so now you see Mike James step in and he gets 28 carries against the Seattle defense and suddenly, 
you know, not playing the run very well. Um, you know, a wide, a wide receiver, uh, Julio Jones is a huge loss because he's having such a good year. But there are a lot of names stepping up, uh, you know, uh, his backup coming in. That's that's kind of the top advice I can give you is kind of go roll with the guy who is replacing him. You know, Harry Douglas was a, a name who really hadn't done much in the league, and I didn't even think much of him stepping in until it occurred to me, Matt Ryan's thrown in the football. So that's a really good situation. Matt Ryan's a great quarterback, and, you know, with Roddy White also hurt, Harry Douglas stood to see a ton of targets, and now you've seen he's, he's been very productive. You know, a couple hundred yard games in there. He has a touchdown, and he's just going to get to keep getting the ball. Even when Roddy White comes back, Douglas is going to be involved. So that's kind of how you have to go about it. You know, look for the backups, um, and and you might even want if you're if you're hurting, you know, you've had guys get knocked out of games like Rogers this week. Go out and get a few. If you have room on your bench, pick up a guy who's maybe not even starting yet, like a a Kendall Hunter, you know, Bryce Brown. You know, a Joyke Bell, if he's still, you know, unowned in the league. These are guys that might still get opportunities because we're only halfway there. You know, we're halfway through the season. There's going to be more injuries probably at some point. And so other guys will get opportunities. Um, you know, at the quarterback position, I'll, I'll focus on that since Rodgers just went out. And we, we just seen, you know, some huge games this last week from guys that are probably unowned in a lot of leagues. Case Keenum's not, you know, sure not owned in very many leagues. Uh, you know, his, his first two starts of his career, he played really well and just had a monster game against Indy. Uh, Nick Foles, in a lot of leagues, was likely dropped, you know, after the concussion. He had a terrible game against Dallas, got knocked out. He sat out a week, but look what he just did. You know, ties the, the record for touchdown passes and had some pretty nice matchups coming up, you know, at Green Bay and then with Washington. He could uh, put up some big numbers in those games. And a name that's really surprised me, but I think, you know, if you're Aaron Rodgers' owner, you could potentially roll the dice on. Now, it's not ideal because he's on bye this week, so you still have to find another option. But Jason Campbell's been great the last two weeks. You know, and uh, Cleveland's got a you know a deceptive group of weapons. They're not just, uh, you know, Josh Gordon and, and Jordan Cameron, who we knew about. But this last week, Campbell had a lot of success throwing a great little and Devon Bess, you know, who, who put up some big numbers for him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's playing good football right now. So these are some names just to watch out for, you know, with a guy like Rodgers. Um, another name I really like, and I just added him. You know, he's probably getting picked up, you know, pretty quickly now because he's about to come back. But Andre Brown looks like he could step in if he's healthy enough. You know, that hasn't really been made clear yet. But he's uh, he's practicing again, and he he could step in potentially to that Giants backfield and take over with David Wilson out. And, you know, he's another name that there were high expectations for him, but the you know struggled early and then the neck injury. And uh, we just saw another running back get hurt this week in Darren McFadden tweaked his hamstring. Seems like he's hurt all the time, obviously. Every year now he's missed games. And, and Rashad James, who, you know, really struggled last year when he backed up Maurice Jones-Drew after he went down. He's, he's still a talented back, and he stepped in and had a huge game, you know, over 170 total yards and a touchdown. So a guy like Rashad Jennings is someone you certainly want to try to, you know, maybe claim if he's unknown this week because you might be starting him this, this coming Sunday if McFadden sits. So you just gave us a whole lot to digest right there. Um, as 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 a guy who is in that position where I'm trying to replace guys who are on the shelf or underperforming, as we talked about the Ray Rices and the Trip Richardsons, both of which I uh, I kind of I'm in four leagues and in both leagues I kind of alternated with those two guys as my cornerstone. Two leagues I got Richardson, two leagues I got Rice. Obviously, I'm four and four. 
Um, oh no, I'm four and five in two leagues, and I'm three and six in the other two leagues. So that that's basically my season right there in a nutshell. Um, is those two guys. But going yeah, into no, the second half, going into this stretch stretch run, who are some guys that you have who are poised to have big second halves? Some people that you know maybe we can go out and target. You've thrown out a lot of names already. Who are some guys, some additional guys who you think are going to have huge second halves of the season as we go into the later weeks of the fantasy football season? All right. Now, these guys are all pretty much going to be owned, but so they're probably if if you haven't hit your trade deadline. They could be really good targets for you. And as I mentioned, you guys like Trent Richardson and Ray Rice, they still have name value. Even though they produced this year, they have enough name value that you might be able to maybe, I don't want to say trick, but, you know, convince a, uh, you know, an owner who's got a guy who's who's uh, maybe poised for a breakout or, you know, big jump to uh, sell him to you. So a guy like Lamar Miller I really like in Miami. He's finally starting to get the carries. I don't know what took Miami so long to, to give this kid the football because he's extremely explosive, and he's the type of back that does need some volume. You know, he's going to have a, a lot of runs where it's one, two yards, but then he's going to hit one of those big runs. As we saw this last week, he had his first uh, career 100-yard game against Cincinnati. He ripped off about a 40-yard run, and that made up a big chunk of it. But that adds to the production. And I really like what Lamar Miller could do the second half of the year if he's seen between 15 and 20 carries every week. Um, we just saw him go off, you know, this, this last Sunday night. But T.Y. Hilton's an obvious name out there who you might want to target. Now, he's probably going to be a little pricey after that game. But if you could maybe even trade, you know, two quality receivers to get him, I think he could have a really big second half of the season. You're going to see a lot of targets from, you know, Andrew Luck, and, and, uh, and the talent is there. I've, I've compared T.Y. Hilton to you know, a better route running to Sean Jackson in the past. I really think that's that's what he brings to the table. Uh, you know, some other receiver names that, and some guys that might even be unowned. Aaron Dobson's probably still unowned in a handful of leagues out there, and he's coming off a really big week. You know, DeAndre Hopkins um, is a name I like who might be unowned still. I, like I mentioned before, Case Keenum's playing good football, and I think he keeps that job. They have some nice matchups, so Hopkins could step in at the receiver position for you, and, you know, and give you some good production. Um, at running back, a name to possibly trade for is Ben Tate. If if he's, uh, you know, an owner's maybe a little leery of is he going to stay the guy there. I think he will at least get a half of that backfield the rest of the way. Uh, Aaron Foster's dealing with the, you know, the hamstring. He's, he's banged up on and off quite a bit, you know, in his career. And it could be just the amount of touches he's had. And Ben Tate's going to get the football a fair amount, I believe, you know, going forward. So he could be a second half guy to watch. Listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. We are hanging out with Luke Hoover from rotowire.com. Uh, Luke, you you brought up Ridley briefly, um, and I know you aren't a Boston fan, but I've got to ask you about the Patriots. Two questions. So the first one is about uh, Shane Vereen. Uh, Vereen broke his wrist first week of the season. Um, he had 100 yards on the ground. He caught seven balls for almost 60 yards in week one. And he was the fantasy darling as well as Spiller in the beginning of the season that a lot of people were excited about. He's been on IR. He's scheduled to come back, I believe, week 11, and he's been practicing with the team for the past three weeks. Um, what are your thoughts of Vereen's impact uh, when he comes back? Well, I think he immediately steps into the role, you know, they intended for him, which was what, you know, Danny Wood had, had produ- you know, produced for them for years, that third down back who's going to catch the football quite a bit. Uh, he's still going to get carries as well because they, they started working him in in that capacity late last year. 
you know, and you saw this. In week one, he, he got that ma- that many touches because Stephen A. Lee had the fumble and then they benched him. So I don't necessarily expect that to happen. Ridley's really turned up his play lately, and actually he's another guy who could be a monster in the second half of the season. But I believe Ridley steps into the role Brandon Bolden's kind of taken on where he's he's been catching the ball a little bit out of the backfield for them. Um, but, you know, Bill Belichick likes to mix and match and, and bring in other guys at the goal line. You've seen Brandon Bolden get a couple scores here lately. So Green's yeah. still going to get in the end zone. He's still going to run the football for him out. Last Patriots question. So we saw a very inconsistent Tom Brady the first seven, eight games of the, or seven games of the season. He didn't have a lot of his parts in terms of Gronkowski. Amendola was being Amendola in terms of not being healthy. But then we saw a click last week where Tom Brady looked like Tom Brady. So my question to you, Luke, is for the second half of the season, do we see the Tom Brady that we saw last week in week nine, or do you think we're going to see more of the type of Tom Brady we saw very inconsistent the first half of the season? I I would say probably somewhere in between, but closer to this past week, I believe. Uh, You know, he's got the bye week, so they can rest up as a team right now. Amendola looked pretty healthy, particularly on that touchdown run, had the quickness. Uh, you know, didn't look like a guy who had torn his groin early in the year. But um, with him in the fold, with Amendola there, Aaron Dobson's really stepped up and emerged. And I think people forget he was a second-round pick. Because he's definitely a talented player. And Gronk, you know, is a complete game-changer for them. You know, they have the running game going as well, and he's going to add Shane Vereen. You know, Vereen's an excellent pass catcher, as we already talked about a little bit. I would I would say he's definitely leaning towards that you know that that guy we just saw who tore up Pittsburgh's defense, which was one of the best against the past. You know that, that's something to really consider because I I didn't see that game coming at all. Luke, we just gave you 25 carries and you uh, broke off 150 yards. Uh, loved having you on the show, my man. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate you guys having me on. All right, till next time. Back to you, Mark. All right, and so that, that that does it for us. Uh, another great show in the books. Again, we thank you guys for joining us tonight. Listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. D. Will's a quick part and shot. You got about 20 seconds, bro. Man, I was I was up here moving players while Luke was talking. <laughs> I can come ask some questions. But this is how we do it on Real Sports Guys, y'all. Uh, we love it, and we only going to get better. We thank y'all for supporting us. All right, God bless, take care, and we'll catch you next week, same time, same place. RSG, baby.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.